0: to be able to go on our website fbcoronado.com for the live streaming and on YouTube for live streaming. That's not yet. We'll let you know when that happens, but thank you for being here. You may be seated in the congregation. Uh, Still no through the week Bible uh, studies or meetings because of the uh, COVID-19 deal. By the way, so far as I know, no one at First Baptist Church has been adversely affected. We had one person early on who um, had tested positive, they had no symptoms, their wife has tested negative, so uh, to my knowledge, no one else in our congregation uh, has been affected, and we praise the Lord for that, so by the grace of God, we stand where we stand, and I mean that every day, every morning, every morning, I think every morning for the last three months, one of the first things I do when I get out of bed is thank you, God, for health that you've given to me today, because we never know what's going to be tomorrow, but so thank you, Lord. Next Sunday is everybody listen. Either be here or or tune in on Facebook next week because uh, I believe I believe this is one of those messages that God just absolutely, I mean, just lays it before a preacher on a on a platter. And I I am so excited about preaching next week's message. I'd rather preach it today than today's message, but it's for next week. So. Be sure to be here. It's on Christian manhood. What does Christian manhood really look like? We get a lot of warped views from uh, our secular society of what manhood is all about, and I'll share some of those with you, but uh, Christian manhood, Father's Day next week, so be sure to be here or tune in one or the other. Um, Pray and give. Pray for our country. Pray for revival. Pray for something good to come out of all this chaos and all the weird stuff that's going on, including the COVID-19, including all the... Demonstrations and and the riots and looting and all of the other bad things that are going on. Just pray about uh, all of that and be sure to give. April was a little bit down in giving. No panic, no reason to panic. Just sharing with you where we are. Um, May was back up a little bit over our budget, so we're okay. But uh, April was just a little bit down. Just keeping you informed. Um, you can give online at fbcoronado.com or you can mail in ties and offerings, members. If you're visitors, that does not apply to you, okay? You just uh, enjoy. Uh, Let others know about our online services, and if you need something in this time uh, of pandemic, let us know. If there's any way we can serve you, anything we can do for you, please, please let us know. Bulletin article that I would have had in the bulletin had we had a bulletin this week. Last week, I made a statement about the murder of George Floyd and the resulting peaceful protests, as well as the not-so-peaceful rioting and looting. Unfortunately, or fortunately, because all things work together for the good to them to love God, those remarks didn't make it uh, onto our live streaming due to a Facebook glitch. So maybe maybe God didn't want that to go out. I don't know. But one of the things I did last week was to make contact by phone or in person with friends and neighbors uh, who are of a different race than am I. I know there's only one race, the human race, but I'm using the term race as it is more commonly used today, indicating skin color variations. I've continued doing that all this last week. Without exception, everyone with whom I have spoken decried the actions of the accused policeman in the death of George Floyd. In addition, everyone with whom I spoke is against the rioting and the looting in our neighborhoods. On these things, we are all in agreement. I am convinced there is more that unifies us than that divides us. Reach out to someone who's different than you and just talk. And I, by the way, it's been a joy. It, I, I've, I've walked up, um, I just felt led of God to walk up to total strangers. We were eating lunch, uh, jack-in-the-box cuisine uh, <laughs> at Silver Wing Park in uh, Imperial Beach or Sa- South San Diego, rather. <clears throat> and so we were up there, and there were two young black men that... Um, uh, we're sitting over on a table, and and I just felt, like, and I went over and started talking to them, and I and I asked them if they've ever been stopped, uh, and uh, without cause, and they said yes, and. Um, I talked to them. I said, I've never been stopped without a cause, except one time I had a policeman pull me over because I was in my Avanti. He said, you're not in trouble. I just don't know what this car is, and I'd like to look at it. So we had an impromptu one-person car show uh, for that. I was much relieved, actually, uh, that that was the reason he was stopping me. But I've, I've never been stopped for no reason. There were a lot of times when I was stopped for a reason, and there were a lot of times that I should have been stopped, but I wasn't, so... Praise the Lord for that. And these men, young men uh, shared with me their heart of how uh, they have to think differently than I have to think when they see red and blue lights in their rearview mirror. So uh, it, it helped. And you could see them, you could see them relax as we began to talk and, and just interact with each other. So I am thoroughly enjoying it. I talked to one uh, New York, de- who'd been a New York detective, a black man. Uh, for, I think he said, 20 years. I said, have you ever been stopped without cause? He said, oh, yeah. He said, and oddly enough, more times after I became a detective than before. I said, what would you do? He said, I let him go on a little while, and then I, then I let him know who I was. So uh, that, that was kind of interesting. In addition, I also reached out several law enforcement personnel whom I've been privileged to know. One of whom is, uh, is Kelly's son, uh, Jake, with the California Highway Patrol. Whenever they do a, a PR uh, thing, I don't know if that's the right way to call it, public PR, uh, on television, Jake Sanchez. I'm, I knew him when he was a little bitty baby, okay? Uh, so hopefully if he ever pulls me over, he'll say, take it easy, preacher, I'll let you go. Uh, but anyhow, <laughs> all of them decried what happened to George Floyd. And I heard for our law enforcement, they're doing a dangerous job on behalf of all Americans of all colors. We need to pray for them and for their protection. Let them know you appreciate them. Not all law enforcement people are bad. Not all people of color are criminals. Not all white people are racists. The solution to our problems, I'm convinced of this, the solution to our problems is Jesus Christ. That is the solution to every problem we have. Believing the gospel not only forgives us for our sins, and satisfies our sin debt. We'll talk more about that in the message today. But it also makes us brothers and sisters in the family of God. Brothers and sisters in the family, let's all do what we can for the glory of God. So I encourage you to, to strike up conversations and, and to listen, not talk primarily. Listen, don't justify for sure. Listen and, and let people know you care about them and that you're praying for them. Law enforcement, people that are different than you. People that are the same as you, talk. And let's see things calm down. Inject the gospel of Jesus Christ where you can and where it's appropriate. Our Father in heaven, we pray for this nation. Oh, we know it's not perfect. We know it's far from it. We know we have a checkered past. We know every person who's ever been in office and every citizen as well is flawed. This preacher is flawed. Father, I know that. And I'm not proud of that. I'm, I, I'm just thankful for your mercy and for your grace in spite of me being flawed. And Lord, I pray that you would unite our country around the things that are most important, that we would love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and that we would love others as we love ourselves. Father, may we be as the good Samaritan was in a very troubled day and age. We pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. God bless you. Let's stand, continue to sing praises to our Lord.
1: would take a miracle to wash me clean.
0: I became a free man as a young boy, and I thank God for it. I hope that you've been freed from the debt of sin. You may be seated in the auditorium. If you have your Bibles, I invite your attention to the Gospel of Mark, St. Mark, chapter 2. St. Mark, chapter 2, and... Boys and girls at home, listen up, boys and girls in the auditorium. I got something I want to share with you right here, okay? We're not going to have you come up here because of social distancing, but right where you are, listen up. I got a question for all you boys and girls. If I asked you today, what is your mom like? I wonder what kind of information I could get. I wonder if you would say, she's really smart. Or maybe she's a good cook, or maybe she's pretty, or maybe you'd say she's sweet and loving, maybe you'd say she's hardworking, maybe you'd say she's a really, really, really good friend. What would you say if I asked you, boys and girls, what is God like? Probably you'd say, well, he loves us, and you'd be right about that. But you know what your mom is like because you live with her, don't you? And and you watch her, and you listen to her, and you touch her, and you hug her, and you kiss her. How can you know what God is like? Because he gave us a book that tells us all about him. It's called the Bible. It's called God's Word. And that Bible you have with you, young guys, that Bible you have tells you that God is a spirit He's not a, he doesn't have a body like we do. We're kind of limited. We can, get, we can get viruses and get sick and have problems. God is above all that. He is a spirit. He's infinite. You know what that means? That means you can't really solve the mysteries of God. Preachers don't have all the answers because only God's got all the answers. <clears throat> He's eternal. Psalm 90 says that before the mountains were born, before he gave birth to the earth and the world from the beginning to end, he is God. He was God before there was creation. He is God during creation, doing the creating. And he is God after creation. And he'll be the God of the new creation one day. He's eternal. He doesn't, God doesn't get old. He doesn't get wrinkly. He doesn't have gray hair. He doesn't go bald. I envy him. God is unchangeable; He never changes. James chapter one verse seventeen. He never—you know why He never changes? Because He's already perfect, and if someone who is perfect changed, they'd be less than perfect, because He's perfect. He's unchangeable. He's powerful. His power is absolute. He's almighty God. No one else has absolute power. He is holy, Revelation 4, 8. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. And he is just and good and truthful. And you know what? God just is. When Moses went to talk to Pharaoh to let the people of Israel get free, he says, who should I say sent me? And God says, Tell him, I am. That's a weird name. What if I ask you what your name was? You said, My name is I am. I am? That's your name? You know what? Nobody else has the name I Am, but God has the name I Am because He is. He is by His own will. He is. He is all these things we mentioned. Spirit, infinite, eternal, unchangeable, powerful, holy, just, good, and truthful. He is Almighty God and there is no other God. So, boys and girls, love Him. Serve Him. This is the way you can touch Him and listen to Him And talk to him as you pray through the word of God. All right, boys and girls, be sure to read the word of God every chance you get. Okay, now, I was saved when I was about eight years of age. I don't remember exactly when, but about eight years of age. And I brought in honor of that, and it's falling apart. Little pieces of it are everywhere. My my Bible that I was given when I got saved, First Baptist Church, Chicago Heights, Illinois. And I loved it because it's got pictures in it. And uh, I love the pictures, but I love it, too, because it's the Word of God. So this has been around a long, long time. I don't remember exactly when I began, boys and girls and moms and dads, praying to the Lord routinely and regularly. I don't remember when that began, but I think it was about the time that I got saved. And I would pray for the important things any 8-, 9-, 10-year-old boy would pray for. I would pray for my mom and dad because I loved them, and I was absolutely dependent upon them. I would pray that my dad wouldn't drink because sometimes he would have trouble with alcohol. I would pray for our personal safety when we were traveling or when we were, you know, just going about life, that we wouldn't get sick. <clears throat> I would pray for whatever was pressing on my young mind and my heart at the time. And one thing I would always pray for, I remember this vividly, because it made such an impression on me, I, I prayed that none of us would ever be Paralyzed. Because to me, that seems so incredibly uh, frightening to think about being paralyzed. You see, I grew up when you could still catch polio before they had vaccines. And I saw pictures of children who were dependent upon iron lungs. Real early respirators. I mean, they were they were these big machines, metal tubes, and you would get it, and the the child would have to be in that metal tube. They couldn't leave that metal tube, and and it would be the only way that they could really breathe properly. And if they didn't get it that bad, sometimes they would have leg braces. I had a guy in my other church that had a leg brace, and or they would have crutches, or they would have wheelchairs and be confined to the wheelchairs and I always prayed as a little kid I would always pray lord don't let us be handicapped don't let us be paralyzed I imagine it was pretty terrifying to the people of Jesus day too because in that society how would one work if they were paralyzed how who would take care of them how would they get around what was to become of them So Mark's gospel Recount such a man. But first in chapter 1, just to give you a little synopsis, Mark jumps right into Jesus' public ministry. Now, Matthew's gospel gives you a genealogy because the king of kings, kings always have genealogies. And Luke gives a genealogy because Every man, every woman has a genealogy, has someone from whom you've descended. Mark doesn't have a genealogy because no servant needs to show where he came from. A servant is just a servant, and and Mark represents Jesus Christ as a servant, so he doesn't give you a genealogy. It's unimportant. But instead, he begins with the good news of Jesus as the Son of God. And it talks about John the Baptist going before him. It mentions Jesus' baptism. It mentions the fact that his preaching was profound early on. Chapter 1 also talks about him choosing his disciples. And then it tells us that he went to Capernaum. Mark alludes to his divine powers and instant fame as a result. And then Jesus uh, sets down the ministry in Capernaum, prays, and moves on to other towns and villages. And that leads us to chapter 2 of the Gospel of Mark. Jesus arrives in Capernaum, returning from the first preaching tour, and the people soon learned about the fact he was back in the village, and they were excited about it. They flocked to that home. Look at chapter 2, verse 1. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying, one commentator said, perhaps it was the Apostle Peter's house, as a matter of fact. I don't know what he bases that on, but... The house he was staying in was so packed with visitors, there was no more room, even outside the door. So the house was full and running over. The average house uh, in, in the city at this particular point in time, this village, with three or four rooms at the most. <clears throat> so it was completely full of people, and there were people on the, out the front door, on the porch, or whatever, out the front way. So uh, Jesus was obviously welcome in this house. I'm going to ask you a question. Is Jesus welcome in your house? Is Jesus also always welcome in your house? Uh, I got a letter several years ago from a guy. He said, you won't remember me. <clears throat> he said, uh, I'm a missionary now. I think he was in Nicaragua <clears throat> as a missionary. Had been there for some years. But he said, uh, I was a, a, a Navy SEAL. He said, and we'd heard that your church had some really pretty girls. And so we went to church, not, for, not to worship God, but to find some dates. And so, so we, we went there, and, uh, and we made the mistake of filling out a visitor card. And so said, one day we were sitting around in our uh, house. This was in Imperial Beach. I remember this, uh, and it was kind of funny because I remember it. But uh, I, he said, all of a sudden there was a knock on a door, and I can't remember who, if it was him or one of the other guys, looked out there and said, it's the preacher. <laughs> and he said, they all scattered He said, and left me, here's these U.S. Navy SEALs, and they're afraid of this Baptist preacher on the front porch, and they all scattered, and so he said, I I went to the door, and he said, I invited you in, and we talked for a while, and he said, I looked around, and there were girly magazines, and there were beer cans, and liquor bottles, and he said, you never said anything about any of that, and just had a good visit, and he said, I just want you to know that, that God has used you in that instance uh, and, and it was it was a real blessing to be able to be used in that way. So my question to you is is he is God welcome in your house? Uh, are there things in your house that would embarrass you if God showed up today? Because I'm going to tell you something: if you're a Christian, He is there. So make sure He's always welcome. Jesus conversed with the crowd, as I mentioned last Sunday. I really believe that Jesus smiled. I believe that he was not always deathly serious all the time. I don't mean he was inappropriate in his humor. I just think he was a person who had emotions like we do and experienced life like we do. And he wasn't always preaching all the time in the common sense of the word, especially the Bible says in chapter 2, while he was preaching God's word to them. And the word here used for preaching is really a good word, really an interesting word, I should say. It is laleo in the Greek, not... Caruso, uh, caruso means to make a public uh, proclamation in a formal and grave and authoritative manner which must be heeded. Preaching the word of, forcefully preaching the word of God. That's caruso. That's not the word used here. Kaleo used here makes note of the sound and the manner of his speaking to them. He was speaking to them uh, in in a friendly and a conversational tone and way. Uh, It makes me think of the song In the Garden. He speaks, and the sound of his voice is so sweet. The birds hush their singing. It's just a sweetness to his voice. And he was speaking to them, this assembled crowd in this very crowded house, chatting in a conversational tone to them, not rebuking at this point, not exhorting at this point, just talking to them out of a heart of compassion. And then four men showed up. And they began unroofing the house. Four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man, that which I prayed would never happen to us in my family, that we'd be paralyzed. They're carrying such a man, paralyzed, and he was on a mat or on a stretcher. And they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. There were too many people outside and in the rooms around. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. I preached on this not too long ago. They literally unroofed the roof. Not only did they dig through all of the, and you know what was often in these roofs? There was mortar, there was sand, there was dirt, there was sometimes were sometimes ashes and grass. And, and then a lot of times with the, the uh, rafters, there would be stones and such that would give some stability so that when these earthen matters for primarily were put on top, uh, they wouldn't just fall through the rafters. And so they began taking all of this off and taking the rocks off. And, and, and I don't know if you've ever done any roofing. I don't know if you've ever done that. But I'm going to tell you something. It is dirty work. Is it dirty work, John? It is filthy, dirty work. He, John's done several of them here lately. So, uh, so it's messy. It's dirty. And you got to remember, the whole house was full of people. And all of a sudden, I hear this chomping, and clomping around, and, and dust begins to fall through, and then pretty soon chunks of the roofing start falling. Whoa, what's going on up there? Imagine the interruption this causes those who were beneath them. And I know somewhere in the house, someone was thinking, hey, who's going to pay for this? Somebody's tearing up my roof, man. My, my, my insurance is not going to handle this. If it's, I, something's going to happen here. I don't know. So sometimes it costs you to serve the Lord, these men, maybe the men, the four men, wound up paying for the roof. I don't know that doesn't, doesn't say that in a text. So somebody had to replace it, and sometimes it does cost you. I think of my I think of some friends who are in Pakistan today, and I think of their family being in Pakistan, an Islamic republic, uh, 98, 99 percent Islam. And they're preaching the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, just a few minutes from the capital city of Karachi. And I think of them giving up time with their grandparents and parents here and, and raising their children in a foreign culture, in a foreign land. To me, missionaries are heroes. They're heroes. They give up all of that, and, and some of them give up their lives, literally because their, their message is not received necessarily. so Sometimes it costs to serve the Lord. You parents, you have kids. If you have children that God calls to the mission field someday, don't ever, don't ever stand in their way. Don't ever say, no, no, I don't want you to be a missionary. I don't want you to go to that country because something may happen to you. Guess what? Something may happen to you in this country if you don't go. God is our security. He's the only security we have, really. Sometimes it costs something to serve the Lord. Then they lowered the man on the mat right down in front of Jesus. I, I wonder, how'd they know where he was in the house? I, I don't know why I wonder that, but I do. How'd they get the right spot? Did they get up on the roof and there was an X there? <laughs> Social distancing X? I don't know. Is, is that... But, but they, they began right there. They opened up the roof, and they lowered him down right at the feet of Jesus. Now, do you think, and again, this is speculation, okay? Do you think the man on the mat was a little tiny bit embarrassed? Did he feel conspicuous? I really don't think so. I think he was tired of being paralyzed. And I think he had heard about this incredible miracle worker named Jesus Christ, Jesus the Christ, who healed people. And then he was gone for a while preaching, and now he's back in town, and he's at so-and-so's house. And if we go there, just maybe he'll be able to heal me. Just maybe he'll be able to make me so I can walk for the first time in my life. He had hope. Folks, as long as you have hope, you're rich. When you lose hope, that's sad. And people won't come to Jesus unless they realize they have a need. fact is... Fact is, everyone has a need, whether they realize it or not. All of us have spiritual needs. All of us have physical needs. Every one of us. So get saved. If you need Christ as your personal Savior, get baptized. Be obedient to the Lord. If you've never followed the Lord in believers' baptism, right here, we can do it. I would be happy to take care of it. Take your stand. I got this Bible as a young boy because I followed the Lord in trusting him as my personal Savior and I followed him into the baptismal tank and showed to the world, to those that were gathered there, that I was not ashamed of him and that I took a public stand for him. You need to do the same. You need to get it done. Just let me know. Join the church. Join the church. Get active. Get involved. One of these days, we'll have children's classes again. One of these days, we'll have nurseries again. One of these days, we'll have teen classes again. Not right now, but one of these days, we shall. Don't let anything keep you from coming to Jesus and doing what God has told you to do. Now, what we see here then, faith and works combined in the action and activities of these four men. Perhaps, oh, the Bible says seeing their faith, okay? Perhaps the paralyzed man had faith. I don't know about that. I, I kind of think he did, or he probably wouldn't have gone along with this plan. But I really know the four men had faith. They had faith, because why else would they do that? Why would they carry the man uh, from his home to this other house? Why would they then, when they saw they couldn't get in, go up to the roof? Why would they, when they got on the roof, begin tearing the roof open? Why would they lower this man into the crowd at the feet of Jesus, unless they believed, unless they had faith, and they combined with that faith their actions. The Bible says, then Jesus said to the paralyzed man, and the idea of the words paralyzed man, totally unable to move at the mercy of his friends. Totally unable. That's the way we are spiritually. We are lost. We are totally unable to get ourselves saved. We are totally at the mercy of Almighty God and need the grace of Almighty God. And Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, what an interesting thing to say. My child, a word for an adult son, my child, son, your sins, as an offense in a relationship to God with the emphasis on guilt, your sins are forgiven. What? Who does this guy think he is? Our English word, forgive, doesn't even come close to what this Greek word, forgive, really means. Our English word, when we say we've forgiven somebody, uh, something who's wronged us, by that we mean our feelings of hatred or animosity or hurt or offense or anger are gone, and we've changed our relationship with that person back to a renewed friendliness and affection, and we don't hold that wrong that they did against us anymore. At least that's what's supposed to happen with human forgiveness. But have you ever thought about this? As far as the act of sin itself is concerned, you can't do anything about that. You can forgive them and be friendly to them again, but you cannot erase the fact that what took place took place. You cannot, humanly speaking, you can forgive them and you can love on them, but you can't undo what they did. You cannot remove from the one who committed the wrong, the guilt, the shame, and the, and the, and the fact that it happened. It can't be undone. But this word, when he says forgive me, for, uh, uh, forgive you of your, your sins, your sins are forgiven rather, a translated to forgive, includes with, within the content Uh, the act of dealing with the sin of wrongdoing in such a way that the sinner who appropriates the Lord Jesus Christ has put his sins away once and for all. And he does it in two ways. There, There are two different meanings here. First of all, they're put away on a judicial basis. So if you ever have had a traffic ticket, And if you ever go to traffic court, and if you sit there and they say, how do you plead? And you say guilty, and they say, okay, it's a, and I can't believe the fines the way they are, $1,200, $1,800, whatever the fines, pay the bailiff and you get to go home. Then your infraction is satisfied. Well, that's what, when Jesus said, your sins are forgiven, he said, basically, your infraction has been satisfied by a court of law, that is, my blood paid the price For your sin. Secondly, that's not all. Not only did he judicially satisfy what's necessary to remove the sin from us, but he's also on the basis of that, God removes guilt of that sin and bestows a positive righteousness. He takes that guilt away from us and in the place gives us a positive righteousness his righteousness, not ours. Our righteousness are like what? Filthy rags. Our righteousness are inadequate. Our righteousness cannot cover our spiritual nakedness and our filthiness. But his righteousness, because of what he did on the cross of Calvary, he became the vicarious substitute. The one who died for you. The one who died not only to lift that burden and remove that sin from you, but to put in his place his own righteous covering justified as if you had never sinned so that's what is meant by bible forgiveness to go so much further than our human forgiveness could ever go be forgiven he says in the present indicative in the greek text which means it's stating a fact and it's it's our forgiven it might be a, another rendering there your sins are forgiven by god your sins are forgiven well you know what happened next right The religious crowd got upset. Some of the teachers of the religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves. does not even say they said it out loud. They thought to themselves. Kids, God knows what you think about. You don't even have to say it out loud. God knows what you think about. Some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Which makes me think, you know what? Not everybody in the house were there because they loved the Lord. Some did. Others were there to hear, to see, see if what they believed about him. Others wanted to be healed. They, they, don't, they didn't know about the Messiah and all that, but they, just, they wanted to be healed if they could. And some wanted to come to find fault with what he did and said. Did you know that the devil goes to church? Look around you. (laughs) Now, it may not be that person sitting next to you and probably isn't, but the devil goes to church, and not everybody who's in a church is necessarily a Bible-believing Christian. Not every preacher stands in a pulpit. is necessarily a God-called man of God. Not every person who professes one thing actually lives that thing. And the fact is there were those critics who were in the audience who were correct in that only God can forgive sin and that anybody else, humanly speaking, who tried to forgive sin were guilty of blasphemy, but they were wrong, however, in realizing that Jesus and not realizing that Jesus was God and what he did was not only permissible, but it was wonderful. He forgave sin. Jesus knew what they were thinking and did what he could do. He knew immediately what they were thinking, the Bible says. And the Greek word used here meant he not only knew what they were thinking and saying, but he was fully aware of their implications. It's impossible to hide from Almighty God. Where are you going to go? In the book of Revelation, you're going to go crawl under some rocks? You're going to go into the depths of the deepest sea? You're going to go up into the highest atmosphere? You're going to get in a space capsule uh, with, with, uh, and shoot off to head to Mars? Not me, buddy. Not me. My brother said, Oh man, I'd love to go into outer space. I was like, Psharp. not me. <laughs> I like doing a lot of wild things. That ain't one of them. That's not even on my list at the bottom. I have no desire. The only time I want to do that is when the rapture takes place. I want to <laughs> boom, shoot out of here. But I'm not going in some what's that guy's name? Tesla guy? What, and whatever spaceship he puts together, not gonna do it. You can't get away from God. Can't hide from God. He knows what you are thinking. Some of you are thinking right now, I wish he'd hurry up and finish up. I'm getting hungry. He knows you're thinking that. So he asks them, what do you question? Why do you question this in your hearts? He poses the question to them. That's the title of this message. Is it easier to say the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat and walk? Which one? Is is, is it physical healing? That's Harder to do than spiritual healing? Or is it spiritual that's harder than physical? But so I will prove to you. In other words, the King James says, so that you know. And that word know in the Greek is "ina." in order that. In order that you will know. And the word know is oida, which speaks of an absolute positive, beyond a speck of doubt, knowledge. So, So that you will know beyond any doubt whatsoever That I have the power, and the word power is not dunamis, which is found several places, like in Romans chapter one verse sixteen. But it's exousia, which means the authority. I have the authority, the delegated authority to forgive sin. So delegated authority was given by His Holy Father to the Son in the power of the Holy Spirit to do whatever it is God wanted him to do. He had the authority. He had delegated authority from the power. So I will prove to you, he says, that the son of man, interesting title, son of man has to do with his messianic uh, title, his heavenly origin, his earthly mission, and his glorious future, so that you know I have the power, delegated power, in order to do this. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. First, he says, your sins are forgiven you. People are going, what? What's he saying? How can he do that? What kind of deal is that? Can you you believe? He says, which do you think is harder? But so you know, beyond any doubt whatsoever, that I have the delegated power and authority to do so. Just so you know, he turned to the guy and said, get up, take your mat, and get out of here. Take up is Aaron, which means to pick up and carry, but it's the tense. It's the aorist tense and imperative mode, which I don't understand. I used to understand it a long time ago in a land far away when I was studying Greek. I don't understand it now. I'd have to look it up. I could tell you what it means. I'd have to go figure it out. But the aorist imperative mode showing that the command was given. Are you ready for this, guys, gals? With military snap and curtness and was to be obeyed at once. Anybody here know what it's like to obey a commanding officer or someone in authority over you? Yeah. That was a military. No. <laughs> that was a military. We'll talk later. That was a military order. He wasn't saying, sir, if you, would, if you want to, if you really feel like it, would you please stand up and walk around a little bit, show these people that, you know, I have power to do this. He said, get up, pick up. Get out. The word walk means to walk about, present imperative, which means start walking about and keep on walking. Don't just take a couple of steps, keep on walking. This was a permanent cure. And the Bible says in the NLT, I love it, the man jumped up. I don't know about you, well, you younger people don't have this problem. But there will come a point when you're down in the floor, you don't jump up anymore. No more. No more. You get up in stages. <laughs> you get up on one elbow, you kind of pivot over, get the other hand down, you kind of push up a little bit, your upper torso, then you I'm telling you. You get up in stages. This guy who hadn't walked had been paralyzed for years and years and decades, jumped up, no atrophy, not the least bit wobbly. His legs were immediately infused with strength. That wouldn't happen to you if you laid around for 30 or 40 years perfectly healthy and then got up all at once. That would not happen. And he grabbed his mat, and again, he didn't fall over. When you get to a certain age, you don't just bend over and pick up something without thinking about it <laughs> and planning how this is going to happen. Now, let's see. If I pick that up, I have to be, and I'm just telling you, I'm just giving you a fair warning. He didn't fall over. And he walked out. I mean, he parted the crowd, went right on through and through the stunned onlookers and kept on walking. He took him literally. He obeyed the command of Jesus Christ, the son of almighty God, who had delegated authority to do exactly what he did. He said, your sins are forgiven. And by the way, you are healed from your life of paralysis. And so we have another We have, it's exciting, isn't it? We had a, he had another proof of his credentials, his fingerprints, if you will, that he is the Messiah, the promised one, and he proved it. And the Bible said they were all amazed. They were all filled with ecstasy. They were beside themselves. They praised God. They exclaimed, we've never seen anything like this before. And they could not wait until they got home, probably didn't wait until they got home. They probably told people on the way home. You won't believe what I saw today down at so-and-so's house. There was a crowd there. Did you hear about that? Let me tell you about that. Have you ever told someone about the miracle Jesus has performed in your life? You say, well, preacher, he's never performed a miracle in my life. Have you been saved? And do you think for one minute, saving you from your sins forgiving you in a way that judicially satisfies the infraction and replaces your own sinfulness with his righteousness? Do you think that's less of a miracle than if he had called you out of paralysis to stand up and to walk? Have you ever told someone about the miracle Jesus performed in your life? Have you ever shared your testimony with someone else? Here's your homework assignment this week if you've never done this. Write out your testimony this week. Write out your personal testimony. When you got saved. If you don't know when it is, we need to talk. It can be today. It, can be, it should be right away. It's urgent. But write it out and share it. Why did people flock to where Jesus was? Why was the house filled to overflowing? Before this COVID, COVID-19, covid COVID, whatever, COSID, I, I don't know. Before whatever's going on was going on, this place was packed out several times. Packed out, chairs, extra chairs set up. Why? Because some of you were telling other people about what God was doing here. Spread the word. Let Coronado know there's a God in heaven who loves him. There's a church who opens his doors to anybody and everybody. Because we have a God we serve who can meet every need, physical or spiritual. So which is the greater miracle? The healing or the forgiveness of sins? I think you know. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads right now. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you have received Christ as your personal Savior, you know there was a time When you trusted Christ as your Lord and your Savior, with every head bowed, would you raise your hand up real high as a testimony? Just hold it up. Preach there was a time when I trusted Christ as my Lord and my Savior. All over the house. God bless you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. If you don't know that, if you're not sure of that, today can be the day. The Bible says that we're all sinners. We've all come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. One day we're all going to have to die and stand before him. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And if you'd like to receive Christ as your Savior right now, then you can pray. You can pray in your own heart. You can pray out loud or in your heart. It doesn't matter either way to me. But say these words to God, something like this. Say, dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've fallen short of your glory. I know that I've committed terrible things. I know I'm going to die and stand before you one day. I believe that. I do believe that someone named Jesus was born 2,000 years ago. I believe he claimed to be the son of God, and I believe he was crucified. That's a fact of secular history. And I believe he rose again on the third day. That's a fact of grace. And today, in this place right now, God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins and the way you forgave this man. I ask you to heal me spiritually. Forgive me of my sins and give me everlasting life. I trust you right now in Jesus' name. With every head bowed, no one looking around, no one embarrassing anybody. If you just now prayed that prayer, would you slip your hand up for just a moment? Hold it up. I won't embarrass you. I won't single you out. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Our Father, we thank you so much. For these who put their faith in Christ, some of them years and years ago, like myself, and a couple of them today. God, thank you for loving us so much and making us part of your family by grace through faith. We don't deserve it, but we appreciate it. Father, walk with us. God, go with us as we leave this place. Help us to publish abroad, to tell others what you're doing here. And Lord, we pray that you would receive all the honor and the glory and the praise for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. On the back table by the sound booth, there are some blue plastic bags. And those of you that prayed that prayer, please take one of those bags with you. Just pick it up. Take it with you. It will help you get started with your Christian walk. If I can do anything to help you, I'd be glad to do so. Next week, again, I cannot overstate. I hope it comes out the way I hope it will, but... um, the message on Christian manhood for Father's Day, I guess, I guess the reason I'm so excited about it is it spoke to my heart and kind of revealed some things about my own life that I needed to see. So I uh, hope you'll be here with us either in person, by way of uh, Facebook. If we get the other two platforms up and running, we'll let you know between now and then. But God bless you. Thank you for being at First Baptist Church, either virtually or real. And come back again. See us soon.
1: Everything's on the altar now. No holding back, no holding now. In view of your matchless sacrifice. Every treasure, take this life. Fish and... much for joining us today, joining us online and here in person. Have a great